All right, we're on week three of Samson, and uh, if you've been with us, we've had a great time talking about uh, the, the kinds of things that Satan wants to use in the lives of men to bring us down. And uh, if you're a lady with us today, uh, I hope that you'll give us a pass for these four weeks of this message series. I'm talking primarily to men, and I don't mean to be picking on you guys too badly, but uh, for the most part, I'm picking on myself as well, and each one of these messages has been hitting me pretty hard, and uh, so I appreciate you hanging with me, and I know that God is doing some transformation in many of our hearts. Um, And ladies, let me just tell you, uh, your time is coming if you feel like you're left out, uh, <laughs> Kim's shaking her head no. Uh, ladies, your time is coming. Two weeks from today, I'm really excited. Uh, Brenda Conez, who is our missionary to Mexico, uh, is going to be bringing a message to the ladies. And uh, many of you know Brenda, and, um, and she's a great woman of God. Brenda and Art Summer here in the, in the uh, Gallatin Valley, and then they run a mission in Mexico in the winter months, and we've taken mission teams down to work with them, and they're an important part of our church family. And uh, it was actually Shoni's idea. She said, you're hammering men pretty hard. She said, I think you can probably hit the women as hard as they need in one Sunday. So, uh, so I tasked Brenda with that, and that'll be happening uh, two weeks from today. So today is message three in the Samson series. Next week will be the last one. Uh, last week, I shared with you a story about my road rage. And those of you that were here, or uh, those of you that listened on the, on the podcast, many of you have come and shared your road rage stories with me. And I really appreciate you uh, making me feel like I'm not the only one that has moments of weakness. If you weren't here, just... Uh, just in, in a nutshell, I shared with you last week that I, I had this moment of, of loss of self-control, and this woman in a big minivan made me real mad on the road. It's two weeks ago today that this happened, and, and we just had a moment of road rage between the two of us. My wife was screaming in the, in the passenger seat as we were trying to race towards a merging of our two lanes, and it, it just didn't go well for me, and I, I, I confessed that to you last week. Many of you shared your stories with me. I I told you that one of the good things that came of that was that I maintained my Christian testimony by not using the bird. And, um, and, and the lady in the other vehicle, I I assume she must have been a Christian because she didn't give me the bird either. And, and many of you shared your stories with me. My, My favorite story came from a guy who met me back here by these doors after one of the services last week. And he said, Russ, I had the same experience this week and I just lost control. And he said, and I didn't use the bird either. But the bird was in my heart. <laughs> so I absolve you, my son. Yes. So if you haven't been with us, let me just catch you up a little bit. We've been talking through the life of Samson. And uh, if you remember, if you have been with us, we talked the first week about the fact that Samson was called by God and was set apart from birth 
to help deliver his people from the oppressive hands of the Philistines. And Samson was this incredible man who had legendary strength. It was really supernatural strength that God gave him almost as a spiritual gift. And we've watched, as we've walked through the story of Samson, how this man had so much potential, so much God-given purpose in his life, But a series of bad decisions over and over and over really led him to destroy his life. Two weeks ago in the first message, I I shared with you three attitudes that make strong men weak. We talked about lust and entitlement and pride. Lust being that attitude of, I want it. And we watched Samson as he fell to the temptation of lust for women. And we're going to talk about that a little more today. Uh, the attitude of entitlement, that I deserve it. And Samson, even though he had made a vow to the Lord that he would never touch anything dead, found himself scooping honey out of the carcass of a lion. And then that attitude of pride of I can handle it. It doesn't matter what weakness I give into. I can handle the pressure. And uh, we watched as Samson again violated his vows to the Lord by consuming alcohol. And we can only assume that it was a great deal of alcohol based upon his behavior that followed all of that kind of stuff. And we talked about the fact that our spiritual enemy, Satan, loves to make strong men weak. And we see that when we give in to the, to the attitudes of lust and entitlement and pride, uh, we see that Satan will make very strong men weak, but we contrasted that with the fact that God loves to make weak men strong. And when we, when we rely on him and we're honest about what our weaknesses are, God can come in and make a huge difference in our lives. So that was week one. Then last week, I talked about the fact that Samson was emotion-driven and not spirit-led. He was emotion-driven and not spirit-led. We talked about the two emotions that were very evident in Samson's life, anger and pride, And I talked about the fact that men want to be the main character in this story. We have this thing that we just want to be everybody's hero, everybody's star, especially guys when it comes to the women in our lives. We we just want to make them proud. We want to be the main character in the story. But the problem is God is always the main character in the story. And uh, Samson, after he killed a thousand men, the Bible tells us that he found himself in the desert and he finally realized that he was in trouble. And I shared with you at the end of that message last week that when a man allows his deepest need to drive him to God, God will meet your deepest need. And so, men, I just want you to know that and I want to repeat that today, that when you allow your deepest need to drive you to God, God will meet you where you are and he will fulfill that deepest need. And so today I want to pick up right where we left off last week. If you've got your Bibles, we're going to be starting at the end of Judges chapter 15 and picking up exactly where we left off and then we're going to be moving through Judges chapter 16. And uh, this is where four chapters in the Bible where the story of Samson is found, and I'll give you just a second to find that. If you're using a physical Bible, the book of Judges is the seventh book from the beginning of your Bible. If you're using an electronic device like mine, it's pretty easy to find the book of Judges, and we're in chapter 15. All right, you there? 
Tell me that you're alive. All right, thank you. <laughs> Verse 19, chapter 15 of the book of Judges. Here's where we find Samson. You might remember this from last week if you were with us. Here's what we read. So God caused water to gush out of a hollow in the ground at Lehi, and Samson was revived. Say the word revived. Samson was revived as he drank. And then he named that place the spring of the one who cried out, and it is still in Lehi to this day. And so we saw that Samson finally came to the end of his own devices. He cried out to God. God gave him water. God revived him. And then one of the most remarkable verses in this story is the very next verse. Verse 20 says this, Samson judged Israel for 20 years during the period when the Philistines dominated the land. Now, if you have taken my suggestion and you have read this story, the four chapters that tell the story of Samson, you might have buzzed right by this verse because it's just one verse, but it is one of the most significant verses in this whole story. Samson judged Israel for how long? 20 years during the period when the Philistines dominated Israel. The land. And the reason why I think this is remarkable is this, because Samson up until this point had again and again and again violated his commitment to the Lord. He had not obeyed what God had clearly called him to do. He was systematically, it seems, destroying his life. And then he came to the end of his rope. He cried out to God. God revived him and led him into the place of ministry that he had always designed him to be. And 20 years of Samson's life went by, and evidently, he did really well. Evidently, he was living according to the plan God had for him. Evidently, God had, had uh, increased his influence, and he became the leader of Israel. Now, this was before the period of, of kings. And so, essentially, Samson was being used by God to lead the Israelites during this period. 20 years of blessing on Samson's life. And then, what we're going to see in the next chapter as we move to chapter 16, we're going to see that Samson destroys his life. He destroys his life. But this is what we're going to see. And if you're taking notes this morning, you can jot this down. This is what we see from Samson. He didn't ruin his life all at once. He didn't just wake up one day and say, listen, I've decided that I want to end my life in humiliation. I want somebody to gouge my eyes out, and I just want to grind grain like an animal. That wasn't Samson's plan for his life. He didn't ruin his life all at once. He ruined it one step at a time. Samson ruined his life one step at a time. Now, if you're following along in your notes, uh, Verse 1 of chapter 16, here's what we read. It says, One day Samson went to the Philistine town of Gaza and spent the night with a prostitute. Now, I don't know what you would pick out as one of the most significant words in that verse, but here's what I see as significant. The first two words, one day. All right? One day, Samson went to the Philistine town of Gaza and spent the night with a prostitute. It's remarkably similar to the description of King David of Israel 
when he fell into sin with the woman Bathsheba. If you've ever read this story, you might remember that the Bible tells us that one day David was not out fighting battles as kings normally would in this particular season, but one day he was cloistered at home and he was wandering around on the roof of his palace taking a gander at a beautiful woman who was bathing across the way. He wasn't doing what he was supposed to do. Just one day he stepped out of what was normal for him. And here's what we see with Samson. One day he did something that wasn't normal in his 20 years of judging Israel. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, I know that there are things that I just can't go to. I have to make sure that I keep my life in order. It keeps me healthy. It keeps me right before God. It keeps me on the right path of ministry. It keeps my marriage healthy. There's things that I have in place in my life that keep me in the right place. And really, it only takes one slip up to start a progression of destruction in my life. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, When we first started Connect Church, I remember uh, as a brand new church, we had lots of people gathering to us uh, who had no idea who we were. And one of the early Sundays in which we were celebrating communion, we had uh, a young man who came up to me and he said, Pastor Russ, I just need to know, when we take communion, do you serve real wine or is it grape juice? And I thought that was kind of an a strange question, but for him it was really, really important because he was a recovering alcoholic, and he knew that even a little tiny plastic glass of wine could set off a progression in his life which would take him to destruction. And so I told him, we, we don't serve real wine just for that purpose. We've got a bunch of people that are recovering alcoholics, and out of respect for them, we just use regular old grape juice, and that's uh, what we do around here. But I I thought that that was very significant. And those of you that have struggled with substance abuse, you know that that's true. One slip-up can start a trigger that, that will take you down a path of destruction. And this is what we see with Samson. Let's keep reading. Verse 2. It says, Word soon spread that Samson was there with the prostitute. And so the men of Gaza gathered together and waited all night at the town gates And they kept quiet during the night, saying to themselves, when the light of morning comes, we will kill him. Now, here's what I want you to know. Gaza was the headquarters of the Philistine nation at that time. And Samson had traveled 25 miles to go and risk 20 years of faithful leadership in his homeland. He had traveled 25 miles to take this huge risk of spending the night with a prostitute. And I just want to ask this question, who would be that stupid, right? You might be asking that question, who would be that stupid? And every man in the room says, I'm that stupid, right? (laughs) I mean, we're that stupid, isn't that the truth? Men do things like this every day, and I don't really understand it. I know that I have the, the, the potential of doing something stupid every day. And guys, if you're honest with me, you'll say that you know that that's true of you too. These temptations are right there. 
And although God might be blessing us with a great marriage or with good integrity or a great ministry or a great career, there's always the potential of one day waking up and taking ridiculous risks that can undo everything, a lifetime of investment for just a quick sexual encounter or a quick high or some experience that is so risky that it could unravel everything in your life. Who would risk something that big for something so little? Why would Samson risk 20 years of leadership in Israel for a quick sexual experience? The reality is men do it all the time. I did a little math this week. Samson traveled 25 miles. Do you know how many steps that is? Okay. Samson was, was probably walking. Maybe he, he rode some sort of an animal. I don't know. But if he was walking, 25 miles is 50,975 steps. Samson didn't ruin his life all at once. He did it one step at a time. And the reason the math is important to me is because Samson had 50,975 opportunities to say, what am I doing? Right? 50,975 opportunities to wake up and say, that's not what I should be doing. That woman is not where I should be going. And the reality is, guys, most of us don't plan to mess up our lives. It happens one step at a time. Nobody ever woke up some morning and said, you know what? I want to be known at the end of my life as a perverted sex addict. Nobody ever does that. But one step at a time, we click on that little ad that appears on the computer and we start a progression that leads us to something that we, we can't control. Nobody wakes up some morning and says, you know what? I, I want to end my life being mega broke no, we don't, we don't decide that we're going to lose everything that we ever earned. It just starts with buying one lottery ticket or, or making that one visit to the casino or doing something foolish in the pursuit of more and more and more, and greed takes us down one step at a time. I don't think there's any men that ever woke up in the morning and said, you know what, I want to wipe my wife out and I want to destroy my children. Nobody decides to do that but it takes that one lingering look at, at a coworker in the office or, or having lunch and just spending too much time having a conversation that's just that inappropriate. Nobody decides to ruin their lives all at once. It happens one step at a time. I was thinking about this this week. Uh, I was watching a, a, a musical tribute to Whitney Houston that I'd recorded uh, a couple of months ago. The, the Grammy Academy put on this huge concert, and they were celebrating her life and showing interviews, and I thought, you know what? Whitney Houston didn't wake up one day and say, you know what? I want to die in a bathtub in a hotel addicted to cocaine. She never said that. It was one decision, one step at a time. So guys, even though I'm hammering on men today, Happens to women too, you know what I'm saying? We don't decide to ruin our lives all at once. It happens one step at a time. And so today, I want to take a look at Samson's small steps towards massive destruction. Samson ruined his life, but there were three small steps that led him to that, and I want to take a look at that. Here's, here's the first one today if you're taking notes. 
The first one is this. Samson taunted his enemy. Samson taunted his enemy. If we can keep reading the story in verse 3 of chapter 16, this is what we see. It says, Samson, now he's with, he's with this prostitute. The Philistines are camped out outside the city gates. They're going to ambush him. It says, Samson stayed in bed only until midnight. And then he got up, took hold of the doors of the town gate, including the two posts, and he lifted them up, bar and all, and he put them on his shoulders and carried them all the way to the top of the hill across from Hebron. Now, there's plenty of archaeological evidence for the the gates and the doors of, of cities all over the Middle East. And according to my research, these doors probably weighed around 700 pounds, okay? Around 700 pounds. And Samson was so strong that he was able to pull those doors and the bars off their hinges, and he just marched around with the doors in the middle of the night, okay? What was he doing? He wasn't doing anything constructive. He was just showing off, right? He was just... This is the, the, the arrogance of this man that he just wanted to taunt. He knew those guys were out there. He knew that they wanted to take him down. And he's just goading him. Look what I can do. Look what I can do. And he just marches all the way to the top of a hill. If you can imagine hauling that thing to the top of any hill, okay, it's, it's ridiculous, all right? But that's what he did. And, and he was taunting the men that wanted to take his life. Now, this is what I know about us, guys. Many men underestimate the motivation of their enemy. Many men underestimate the motivation of their enemy. And now, men, I'm talking to us spiritually, all right? Samson, he had physical enemies that wanted to destroy him. But you know what? We've got spiritual enemies. And guys, I think a lot of times we underestimate how motivated our spiritual enemy really is to take us out. Here's what 1 Peter 5.8 says. Stay alert. Every man in the place say, stay alert. Thank you. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Can I just read that one more time? Stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Now, there's something really important that I want us to see about this verse. First of all, the devil is like a lion, right? You might want to write this down. The devil is like a lion, and a lion belongs to the cat family. Okay, you getting this? Lion belongs to the cat family. Therefore, all cats are of the devil, okay? <laughs> I, I just think that's what the Bible says. <clears throat> but men, listen to me. Here's, here's, here's the real point of this verse. We are taunting our spiritual enemy when we put ourselves in places of temptation. And we do it all the time. We do it all the time. Uh, You might be a a young person who's made up your mind, you're going to save your sexuality for marriage, all right? And that's a good ambition. That's something that the Bible calls us to do. And and it's a good ambition. 
But sometimes, even the best-intentioned young people put themselves in places of, of temptation, and you're just taunting your spiritual enemy, all right? You might say to your girlfriend, uh, you know what, we're not going to do anything, but I just can't say goodnight. I don't want to send you home. Why don't you just spend the night? We'll, we'll just sleep in the same bed, but we'll keep our clothes on, okay? And, and you've got great intentions, but what are you doing? You're just taunting the enemy that wants to take you down. And, and you don't know where that line is that, that's going to take you down just by putting yourself in that place of, uh, of temptation. You might be a married man here today, and you travel for your business, and you find yourself all over the country in a hotel, and, and the nights get long, and you can get bored. You find yourself in the bar down in the lobby of the hotel, and you have one drink, and a second drink, and a third, and a fourth, and there's women everywhere, and you're just putting yourself in a place of temptation. You don't intend to have a one-night fling. You don't intend to hurt your wife, but you've put yourself in a place of temptation, and you don't know where that line is. You're taunting your spiritual enemy. Or some of you might be able to relate to this. You, you're financially strapped. You know that your budget is tight. You're this close to losing everything. But you put yourself in temptation by just walking around the car lot, okay? You just can't stay away from billion. Uh, you know, and you're just taunting your spiritual enemy by playing with temptation, And we think we're okay. We think we won't cross that line. Every man believes that. I will not cross this line. But here's what it says in 1 Corinthians. It says, if you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. If you think you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. Bible says, be careful, men. The first thing Samson did was taunt the enemy. And the second step in his destruction was this. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Secondly, Samson rationalized the same old sin. Samson rationalized the same old sin. Let's keep reading the story. Verse 4. It says, sometime later, Samson fell in love with a woman named, what's her name? Delilah. We've been waiting for three weeks to get to this part. This is is the juicy part, right? He fell in love with a woman named Delilah who lived in the Valley of Sorek. Now, the Valley of Sorek probably doesn't mean anything to you, but the Valley of Sorek, no surprise, is a place in the Philistine territory, Right? This is now the third time in the story that Samson has become entangled with a Philistine woman. As a Nazarite, as this man who took a special vow as a Jew, he was never, ever, ever supposed to get involved with somebody outside of his own people. And yet he did it now the third time. And why? It's because he just rationalizes that same old sin. Guys, we do this all the time. We rationalize. Here's how we do it. Okay? Some of us say, this, this is just my one thing. I'm a good guy, right? I, I love God. I love my family. I, 99.9% of my life is really good. This is just my one thing. It's my one weakness. Okay? We rationalize. Or we might rationalize by saying, this isn't, this isn't hurting anybody. It's victimless. Nobody knows. Nobody's getting hurt. We rationalize. Or some of us say, you know what? When I'm really stressed, 
When I'm really having a bad day, when work is really, really crummy, this is just how, this, this is just how I cope. And this is my thing that I cope with. Some of us just kind of get defensive and we say it's nobody's business. Nobody can judge me. It's nobody's business. And we rationalize in that way. And, and listen, men are masters of rationalizing the same old sin. Isn't it true? If you're really honest with yourself, guys, don't we find ourselves just making up excuses why this is okay? This isn't going to hurt anybody. So Samson fell in love with Delilah. Verse 5 says, the rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, entice Samson to tell you what makes him so strong and how he can be overpowered and tied up Securely. No surprise, right? This is the same song and dance that happened before. Entice Samson. We've got to destroy him. And so they bribe her. And the next eight or nine verses tell the whole story, and we're not going to read the whole thing. But in short, Delilah went to him. She took their bribe. She said, I will help you take him down. And so she begged Samson, tell me what makes you so strong. So Samson starts making up stories. And the first one was, he said, if you tie me up with bow strings, you know, like bow and arrow kind of strings. If you tie me up with bow strings, my strength will leave me. And, uh, and, and so she, she tied him up, and she called in the Philistines, and he just broke loose, and oh, ha, ha, it's just, it's just a big joke, right? And, and then uh, she says, you lied to me. Tell me the truth. And so he says, if you use new ropes, I'll be strong. And the same song and dance, she ties him up with new ropes. He's, he, he breaks them as the Philistines came, came in. And then finally, uh, she says, you lied to me again. And he says, if you just weave my hair into a loom. Kind of strange. But see the progression of this? Now he's finally getting to the hair thing. And it's like he's dancing all around it. It's like this fun game. He's, he's taunting the enemy. He's, he's rationalizing. And, and he's just getting closer and closer and closer to total destruction so she weaves his hair into a loom, the same thing, he breaks free, Nobody, nobody's hurt. And then finally, in verse 15, we read this, then Delilah pouted, and she said, how can you tell me I love you when you don't share your secrets with me? Sorry, ladies, I have to be a little dramatic. <laughs> You've made fun of me three times now, and you still haven't told me what makes you so strong. And now, ladies, if you want something to punch you in the gut this morning, if you need a little Holy Spirit conviction, verse 16 is just for all you ladies. You ready? It says, she tormented him with her nagging day after day until he was sick to death of it. Men, do not say amen right there. Now, here's what we see. Listen, guys. Samson was strong enough to kill a lion with his bare hands. Samson was strong enough to kill a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey. Samson was strong enough to lift a 700-pound door above his head and walk around with it. But he wasn't strong enough to lead a woman. Guys, listen to me. Don't you dare just be great at your business. Don't you dare just be a great hunter or a fisherman or great at your sport, whatever it is. Don't you dare be strong in leading those around you in your business, in your occupation, in your playtime, and fail to lead your family into righteousness. This was Samson's big mistake. He couldn't lead. 
He couldn't lead. And listen, there's a lot of us who are strong in many, many ways, and yet we let other people lead us. Men, God designed you to be leaders. And so often we capitulate and let someone else lead. And this is what happened with Samson. Look at verse 17. It says, finally, Samson shared his secret with her. My hair has never been cut, he confessed. For I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. And it was like in this moment, he was remembering who he was created to be. It was like in this moment, he was going back to that clarity of who he really was. And guys, many of you listening to me today, if you're honest with yourselves, will say, I've forgotten who I was created to be. I've forgotten who God made me and designed me to be. And so Samson tells Delilah in this moment of vulnerability that his strength is in his hair. And verse 19 says, Delilah lulled Samson to sleep with his head in her lap. And then she called in a man to shave off the seven locks of his hair. And in this way, she began to bring him down and his strength left him. What a sad story. What did Samson do? He told the secret. He had taunted his enemies. He rationalized his sin. Here's the third and final step in his big destruction. Number three, he assumed his disobedience would never cost him. Samson assumed that his disobedience would never cost him. Verse 20 says this. Delilah cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. And when he woke up, he thought, I will do just like before and shake myself free. It had happened three times before. The bowstrings couldn't hold him. The ropes couldn't hold him. The loom couldn't hold him. Just like before, I will just shake myself free. And then this verse, this last line that is so sad, but he didn't realize that the Lord had left him. He didn't realize that the Lord had left him. And guys, you may come to the place in your life where you think you can get away with whatever it is that you're dabbling in, whatever sin you're rationalizing, whatever way that you're taunting your spiritual enemy, you may be at that place where you think it'll never catch up to you. But for so many men, the day has come when your wife has come to you and said, I can't take it anymore. And she walks away. For so many men that I know, the kids say, you know what, my dad's just a jerk. I don't want to have anything to do with him. And they walk away. Or a lot of men, they're doing stupid things at work, and the boss one day comes and says, you, I, I just can't keep you in my employee anymore. And it's over. Samson didn't realize that eventually his sin would overtake him would overpower him, would overcome him. Samson didn't really believe there would ever be any consequence. And guys, we are masters of self-deception. It's so easy for us to convince ourselves that there will be no consequences. Listen, 
the Bible tells us very clearly that there will come a day of accountability. And for many of us, it's in this lifetime. You can't afford to take these small steps of destruction. So verse 21 says this. So the Philistines captured Samson, and they gouged out his eyes. They took him to Gaza, where he was bound with bronze chains and forced to grind grain in the prison. And I, would, I just want to ask the question, how did this man with so much God-given potential end up in such bad shape? It didn't happen all at once, guys. It happened one step at a time. Let me ask you, and, and we're going we're gonna to wrap up here in just a second. Let me ask you today, where are you stepping away from God? Where are you at in that step process? Are you at step number one? Are you at step number two? Are you at step number three? Or are you, are, are you at step 50,974? Where are you stepping away from God? Maybe you're somebody that you've, you've dedicated your life to God, but for whatever reason at this point in your life, you're not spending any time reading God's word. And, and it's just one step, but it's a step away from God. Or maybe you're a Christian person and, and you're involved in ministry and you're here in church every Sunday, but you're not spending any time with God in prayer. For whatever reason, that's your step away from God. Or maybe you're living in this lust-filled world in which you're just saying, I want it. Or maybe you're in that entitlement world of I deserve it. Or maybe the pride world of saying, I can handle it. Maybe your step away from God is that world that I described last week of anger where it's just right here all the time. Maybe stepping away from God means that you've just come to a place of living in apathy. Nothing matters anymore. Or maybe for some of you men, you're just not leading. You're just letting somebody else lead you around. Maybe for you it's greed. I don't know what it is. I left a a blank in your note cards And I I would love for you to just be honest with yourself. Nobody else is going to see your note card, but if something is hitting you in the chest today and you know you're stepping away from God, would you just jot that down? Just as a confession to God, this is where I'm stepping away. And the truth is, you're only as strong as you are being honest, right? And and transformation is only going to come if you're honest with yourself and with God today. So here's the next question. If you're stepping away and you know it, what should you do? The answer is simple. You need to turn around. You need to turn around. If you know you're stepping away from God and something has started leading you towards big destruction, and today as I'm talking, you can see the future in your mind's eye because you know these steps are leading you away from God, what do you do? It's as simple as turning around. Go the other direction. The word we use so often in the Christian community is the word repentance. Uh, that, that word, sometimes we don't really understand what it is. Sometimes we feel like repentance is just feeling sorry. Uh, really, that's remorse. Good definition of repentance is turning and going the other direction. That's what repentance is. And if you find yourself stepping away from God, this is where you need to be. 
And listen, every man in this room, I want you to hear this as I wrap up today. God has grace for you. And remarkably, as, as, as deeply as Samson destroyed his life, verse 22 is such a beautiful promise for every one of us. It says this, before long, his hair began to grow back. And this is what God is saying to so many of us in this room today. The thing that gives you strength, that you've squandered in your life, will grow again. God will empower you again. God will bless you again. God is this incredible God of second chances. And as much as Samson ruined everything, there was still hope for him. And next week as we wrap up this series, we're going to talk about the fact that just because a man is down doesn't mean he's out. And if you're here today and you know you've blown it in big ways or small ways, if you've been stepping away from God, I want you to know that God will bless you again if you'll turn back to him. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's really true. Would you put your things aside and stand with me? Bow your heads and and, uh, I just want to pray for you today. God, there's lots of us in this room, lots of men in this room, that in the honesty of this moment, we would say, I'm not living up to my potential as a man. I imagine there's lots of women here today, too, that are relating to this story, even though it's been targeted at at men. There's women here saying, I need to turn around and go back the other direction. And God, in this quiet moment, we just want to be honest with ourselves and honest with you and say, God, it's time for us to turn and walk the other direction. God, today I am repenting and making a commitment to you to live my life differently. God, will you today come to us and just like Samson when his hair began to grow back, will you begin to restore to us what the enemy has stolen? The things that we have allowed the enemy to destroy in our lives, will you begin to heal and replace and restore? And today, will you empower us to make the decisions, God, to walk back to you? We pray this in Jesus' name.